everyone, and welcome to episode 152 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harrington G, only joined by one of my regular co-hosts this week, Gable Nassif. Hey everyone. And we're also joined by a very special guest. Sadly, like we said last week, Pat could not join us again this week, but we filled him in with TSB Yendrik. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for much, so much for having me, as always. Yeah, I think uh, we really wanted to have you on this week because you've been playing a load of paper Pioneer events. We've been seeing on your Twitter, you've been playing with a cool blue-red deck. I don't know if you brewed it up, but it's definitely not Arclight Phoenix and blue-red, so that's pretty interesting we're into that. As well as, Gav's been playing modern, I've been playing random formats, so we have a lot of interesting things to discuss today. As well as, this podcast brought to you by Card Market. For those who don't know what that is, Marketplace Online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. Deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles, play mats, you can sell on there. You also got other card games like Digimon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Flesh and Blood. So if you like any of those things, check out Card Market at cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. And also thank you to all our patrons. No pressure to support us, but patreon.com slash midweekmetagame is the best place to do so. Anyways, we got to get into some conversation. First, Yendrik, maybe there's some people that are not familiar with you or your content. So why don't you introduce yourself? Okay. Uh, my name is Yendrik. Uh, and I'm mostly known uh, by my MTGO handle, TSP Yendrik. Uh, um Streaming a bit, uh, I would call myself a professional magic user, uh, I guess. Uh, so I, I do have a website with Sodek. Uh, it's called Mystical Teachings. Uh, and we are like offering a bunch of different deck guides and sideboard guides for, for different archetypes, mostly modern. And we basically wanted to, because beforehand I've had my own Patreon, Sodek had, had his own Patreon, but we decided, well, maybe we'll... Uh, create a place where you can just go uh, if you want to play modern, any deck in modern, not like specific like blue decks or dredge or whatever. So we basically made a website. Uh, we contracted some uh, very, very good modo grinders like Laplacian is, is writing about Hammer, Zerk is writing about uh, Yogmov, Arcus Delta is run, uh, writing about Rhinos, etc. Et and our end goal is just to have one place for like all modern decks, basically, if you want to get acquainted with a uh, like competitive modern deck, anything you are playing, you can basically just go to the website and you will find something for you. And oh, yeah, I, I, like my, my content, uh, my work on Magic is mostly correcting sort of grammar mistakes at this point. <laughs> mostly, I'm mostly editing uh, his stuff and other other people's stuff that uh, that comes to our website. That's sick. I didn't know you guys did that. I thought it was just a Patreon. No, we switched early July uh, to the website. So, Damn. yep. Fair okay, play. So and how, how do you monetize? You need to be a subscriber to have access to all yeah, the Yeah, like uh, every sideboard guide is, on, uh, is uh, before, uh, behind the paywall. And then we have videos every week that are free. And we have some articles that are free, like I would say half of the content is free, and like we monetize it our Patreons uh, by writing sideboard guides with Sodek. So this part will stay under the paywall basically forever. Uh, but we we are trying to have at least one uh, at least one article for every deck that's uh, for free, so people can get like uh, some uh, some idea of 
how in-depth the writing is and uh, our style and stuff like that. So to help them decide whether they want to pay us some money. And when we have like one subscription, it's like $10 or something like, just like Patreon. Yeah. I'm wondering, is it not a problem sometimes that you guys just focus mostly on modern, especially with competitive coming back when you have to play other formats, but you still have the the website to kind of keep up and pump yeah, like, up the content? Uh, we do have a pioneer column as well that's largely empty for now. And we we want to write stuff about pioneer starting like basically now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do some write-up on the blue red deck that I'm playing before Sophia. Uh, and then maybe like when the next season uh, comes and you have to play standard, I believe, in Naples. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a qualification, uh, thankfully, already uh, in Warsaw last week. So now I have to play standard, uh, which seems not ideal, especially because I will have to buy paper standard decks. <laughs> yeah. uh, at least they banned me to Massacre, which is like billion euros. So... Uh, I wouldn't. I would, wouldn't have to buy that. And I saw uh, this like mono blue standard Delver deck basically doing uh, reasonably well, and it looked cool. And I have to buy like zero cards for it. So, like, who knows? Who knows? Our starter deck. <laughs> Mad. Cool, cool, cool. Well, you've been playing a lot of Pioneer recently. Me too, Harry. You said modern, but it's it's been pretty much all Pioneer for me uh, this past week. And uh, yeah, why don't you talk to us and the listeners about your experience in Warsaw? You were also in England this past weekend, just playing live, playing Pioneer. I don't know, just tell us everything. Yep. Last week, uh, or like 10 days ago at this point, uh, uh, there was a legacy event in Warsaw. so for those of you who are not familiar with those events, like top 32 of this event qualifies for regional championship number two in Naples in like March. And, and, uh, I, I guess top eight also gets like flights and accommodation, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it was like a very GP-like experience in the sense of it being a two-day event with uh, nine rounds day one. You have a cut to day two, which is either seven and two or top 64, whichever is larger. And since the event was rather small because it was like 160 players, the cut was at, I think if you were five, four with good breakers, you got in. Uh, six free was guaranteed. I was six free day one. And then I um, went three and two day two up to nine and five. And then in the last round I drew uh, to ensure the top 32 to, to get a spot uh, in, in Naples. Uh, and I played the blue-red uh, cards deck. Like when I, when, I, when I played and I saw my opponents like taking notes, they, they called it in various uh, fashions, like blue-red shredder, blue-red pyromancer, uh, however you want to call, call it. I, I just call it blue-red cards. Uh, so basically, it's like, imagine Phoenix... Uh, but instead of playing Arclight Phoenix, uh, you are playing Divide by Zero, which is clearly very much stronger card than Arclight Phoenix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and like, uh, so basically, I when I started playing Pioneer, uh, like recently, uh, before that, I've had some experience way, way back uh, when I was preparing for the GP Brussels, in like early 2020. 
uh, and then I played almost no Pioneer for the next like two years. And then uh, after WotC said, yeah, we will bring Pioneer back. I played a couple events with Phoenix early July. Uh, and I thought that the deck is fine, but it wasn't like super outstanding or anything. But I like re I really, really like Treasure Cruise, of course, because it's like you can draw three cards for one mana. It's like... It, like if you are playing a treasure crew this deck, uh, it's just and it works. You don't feel like you are playing pioneer, which is a big advantage because pioneer gameplay. Uh, I'm not a fan. Let's say like it's it's mostly because of mono green. Like I, I think that the mono green experience is just not very uh, satisfying for 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 anyone. Uh, like. I'm not saying that you should ban anything from it because like it's it's just a deck and like very often in some format there will be decks that just have a lacking gameplay uh, experience but yeah sure so like playing against mono green I'm not a big fan uh, uh, I'm a fairly big fan of playing my own decks always like I've had good times like just drawing some cards killing some creatures yada 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 uh, so uh, I wanted to find a non-Phoenix blue-red deck because uh, I figured out that blue-red is the best blue deck in, or the best color combination for blue decks in Pioneer. And it is because uh, of two very important things, in my opinion. First of all, and the thing I hate most about Pioneer is that you don't have even mana bases for every color combination because you don't have allied fastlands, which is like a super big deal. The fact that red-black fairly often loses because they only draw blue black sources or red sources because they have like i don't know a bunch of basics some manlands that are single color then like castle locked way in and something like that and they just draw like you, you you keep two lander with two black sources and a foxes and then you draw a third black land and you, you just lose because of that uh because you don't have like a fast land it's it, like it, it's just so mind-boggling to me that a format with like close to 10 years of cards in it don't have a decent two-color mana base for every color combination. And on the flip side, like blue red mana base is pretty great uh, because you, you do have Spire Bluff Canal. Uh, and I also like uh, blue red or I guess like, I think the big the big part of Pioneer mana bases are also Manlands. We, we talked about it a bit before we went live with Gab uh, that Mono Black, for example, has a good Manland. And I, I would say that the three manlands that are substantially better than the other two are black, red, and blue. So playing any color combination that can uh, fit at least one and preferably two of them, uh, I think will also be a bit more uh, exciting to me. Uh, and then the other uh, fact, aside from mana base, I do think that uh, Fire Impulse is uh, probably the best one mana removal spell in the format. Uh, like. I like Fatal Push precisely in red-black because uh, red-black has a fairly easy time enabling revolt via like blood tokens and treasures and stuff like that. While I, when I was playing like blue-black decks and you kind of had to play like Fab Fable Passage to enable the revolt, uh, that's not great. And uh, some people, for some reason, uh, think that Grease Funk is a playable deck. And if you are playing against those people, you do have uh, to have removal against Grease Fang, because if you don't, then their deck actually is playable. Uh, so, uh, yep, I basically arrived to Blue Red in uh, in that uh, thought process. Also, I think Anger of the Gods is like insane card. Like 
it's so insane how good anger of the gods like how good a free mana sweeper that deals free damage to 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 the board is is good in this format because it's good against aggro of course then it's good against red black it's it's actually pretty amazing against red black because then you can trade with trespasser one for one and sometimes they will have like trespasser and a uh, i don't know a fable token or a blood type harvester or even like they will make a, a fable token and then they will flip fable and then you can just sweep it up in one go uh so and even against like mono green it's not great but sometimes you will cast anger to kill their dorks and then you will use fire impulse to kill their cavalier and they won't get a trigger or troll and they won't get a trigger so like i, I think anger is a really good card right now in pioneer um so yeah, that's basically how I arrived at playing Blue Red. And uh, also another big card that I don't think is Blue Red specific, but uh, I think it's very underplayed in Pioneer is founding the first path, the first path rather, uh, from Dominaria. It's a saga uh, that costs one and a blue, uh, and it has the read ahead mechanic. So we can start at any chapter and you are skipping everything that was beforehand and you don't get those chapters, but you can just start on the third and it's, the first is uh, you can play an instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost one or two from your hand uh, for free. Then minus, uh, then the second one is target player mill, mill four cards. And then the third one is exile an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. And you can uh, cast it uh, this right now. So basically you flashback uh, one card. And it works really, really well with treasure plus. Uh, so I basically... Before Dominaria came around, I thought that the biggest draw to Phoenix uh, is not really Phoenix itself, but pieces of the puzzle, because it's a card that's really good at uh, fueling treasure crews, while also like netting you some card advantage and stuff in the process. But you couldn't really play a blue red deck without pieces of the puzzle. It was very hard to build a deck that can, like, you basically need to have a deck that can find its payoffs uh, via pieces of the puzzle. So these payoffs need to be either instance or sorceries or something that works from a graveyard like Argonite Phoenix does. Uh, and like beside Phoenix, th there wasn't uh, any card of that type. But now with Founding, you can like you can play Founding instead of pieces in those non-Phoenix uh, blue red decks. And Founding lets you cast Treasure Cruise very easily and very often, and you can flashback it. And like I think blue red draws a shit ton of cards right now. Like you can cast. I don't know, four or five treasure cruises per game very, very easily. Uh, so that's super enticing to me because uh, that means that, like, I think at this point it's pretty unanimous that Red Black is the most popular deck at least, uh, if not the best, but it's definitely the most popular deck. And I think if you have like a founding the third path a treasure cruise a blue red deck, you will just largely farm on Red Black. Like, of course, when I say farm, it's not like 70% matchup or anything because those matchups just does not exist in Magic in general. Uh, but like, you are fairly favored uh, with a blue-red deck uh, against red-black, which is the uh, is a big selling point to me. Cool. So you were playing four copies of the Founding the Third Path? Yep. Uh, oh. Were you playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker? Uh, no. I think Fable is garbage in this deck. Uh, okay. So basically... Uh, uh, when I first started toying with this deck, uh, Canister all, uh, took the list from me, and uh, I was playing. Uh, what I was playing, I think I was playing like main deck, 
Uh, it was before I even thought about Sahili uh, Sublime Artificial that I played for a while. While I was playing Improbable Alliance uh, to have another payoff for drawing cards. It's like two mana enchantment from Eldraine, uh, the blue-red enchantment that if you draw second card, uh, second card on each of your turns, you make a fairy, and then it can loot for like six mana. And it wasn't very good because, like, <laughs> let's, let's face it, it's not a very good card. But I wanted something uh, beside uh, four Pyromancers to make tokens because I was playing Make Disappear, which is another card I think is pretty okay. Like, it's not great, uh, but it, it does its job. It's not Mana League, but uh, uh, we will get Mana League in Brothers Wars, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's my shot. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, like, Canister said, okay, so maybe I will just play Fable. And I was like, dude, I don't think Fable is very good. And he's like, like, no, dude, Fable is amazing. It's a great card and everything. So he tried to play it and then he hated it. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is that uh, Fable is a great card in non-blue decks because it just glues everything together because you don't have cantrips. So you can just use the second uh, chapter of Fable to smooth your draw steps. Uh, and in blue decks, you already have a bunch of cantrips. So Fable is basically committing even more mana, like free mana, for not that substantial of a board presence, and then the filtering, that's not that important if your deck is just full of ops and considers and stuff. Uh, so I just don't think that Fable plays very well in like country-heavy blue decks. Uh, so yeah. yeah. It's also pretty poor synergy with Young Pyromancer. It's not very exciting to go turn to a, a Goblin Piker, turn free a Grey Ogre. And... <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, speaking of speaking of Pyromancer, I used to play main deck Pyromancers. Now I switched them to the sideboard, uh, and I added main, main deck Angers, and I was really pleased uh, with this change. Uh, I think you still need some sort of uh, two-drop pressure against Monogreen, uh, because if you don't pressure Monogreen starting on turn two, then uh, you will have hard time losing, uh, winning the game probably, since most of your interaction, especially main deck interaction, is... Uh, like the interaction that actually is relevant, so counter spells, is very like time sensitive and plays much better with some pressure on the board. So make disappear. It's it's very easy to play around make disappear if you don't pressure them. But if you have to play like Cavalier of Thorns into make disappear because you have to do something uh, because your opponent is pressuring you, then it's pretty okay. Or, or divide by zero. Uh, you you if you divide by zero and you basically time mock them, it's much easy. Like. To, for your time to not be explored, you need some pressure on the board. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I do think that you need this kind of pressure against Monogreen. But right now, as I said, Anger is just such a good main deck card or such yeah. a good card in the format. I would rather play main deck Anger and then sw swap to Pyromancers or Thing in the Ice or whichever other threat you want post-board against Monogreen. And of course, for, for Ledger Shredders in the main deck, I think Shredder is also like insane with Treasure Cruise. Okay. Makes it yeah, so I was gonna ask because you say you don't play Young Pyrofable, so you have four Shredders as kind of threats in the main, and what else? I have two Jace's Wielder of Mysteries uh, because yeah. you do end up to actually uh, you, you do end up actually milling yourself with this deck. Uh, Just maybe a good value card too. Yeah, maybe not often, but often enough that it's a consideration. And Jace is another card that lets you uh, get to Treasure Cruise quite uh, quite well because you mill two cards and you draw something that's likely either a removal spell or another cantrip. Like basically this deck is really good at casting multiple treasure cruises through grave hate that it's that is not leyline of the void or rest in peace. Yeah. So like against I unlicensed herds, go blank, uh, graveyard trespasser, 
you name it. Like it's very easy to rebuild and just draw three cards. And then if you if you resolve one treasure cruise against red black, it's usually uh, fairly you're you're in like a fairly advantageous position. And that's why I added my deck anger because I used to have those games in which you draw three cards or even you draw six cards with two cruises, but then you have to like spend two cards to kill graveyard trespasser or you they just make a bunch of bodies and you can't keep up with removal spells so having something that actually resets the board and swings the tempo back to like a neutral position after you draw a bunch of cards is super valuable yeah yeah i agree sometimes when i play blue light control supreme verdicts just you know super good against them even though they have discard and it's maybe a little clunky but just having a good sweeper yeah, you said a few things. You, you talked about the monogreen, the monogreen experience not being super great. It's funny, I kind of enjoy playing against monogreen, I think. I feel like the same way I enjoy playing against Green Tron in Modern, where. Yeah, it's basically the same deck. Where it's not, you know, the games are kind of intense, and sure, sometimes they just have it and it's frustrating, but also, at least there's not a lot of garbage time, and there is still like a lot of meaningful decisions, and the games that do go long are kind of sweet. And kind of back and forth, and I, I like. I, I think postboard games against Monogreen with with uh, Blue Red are also kind of interesting. Like I mostly meant game ones when you don't have, like, it's similar to when you were playing against Tron, but you didn't have counter spell and you had Mana Leak, uh, and you couldn't like you your your cards just did not matter against them. Like once you have like an actual like hard counters or like answers, then the game becomes interesting. I've played, like, I think my favorite game of the, or favorite match of the weekend was against Ben, ben Jones, and he was playing Monogreen. Uh, it was it was a really sweet match that I sadly ended up losing, but uh, I've had a great time. And like, as I said, post-board, when you had access to the Zainful Stroke, which is, by the way, I think, by far the best card against Monogreen, uh, that you can have out of the sideboard, and I think if people are playing, like people are playing blue decks, uh, like blue red more specifically, because blue white is a bit different because you already have like hard counter spells main deck and stuff like that. But in a deck without have, uh, hard counter magic in the main deck, playing less than four disdainful strokes, I think is like lunacy. Especially when people are playing like two disdainful strokes, two Ethergas. Like, what the hell Ethergas is even accomplishes against mono green? Not lunacy much because has been called. I don't know. Sometimes you just get run over by double troll, you know. So I feel like for disdainful stroke. Depends what the, what your other cards do, I guess. I would play six if I could. I'm playing. Right. Wow. I've played two negates for a bit. Now I'm playing one because I needed to make sideboard space, and it's mostly as a fourth, fourth, fifth designful stroke against mono green, uh, because like Ethergast has two problems. Uh, of course, sometimes you will get run by uh, troll, but there are some other cards you can use to to combat troll. Like blue red decks play uh, a lot of. Um, um, Spikefield Hazard, for example, you can just throw two removal spells at Troll to to deal with it, which is not ideal. But your removal spells, in general, like you have to have removal spells for elves post board, but they very quickly lose a lot of value because like Fire Impulse won't kill anything other than the elf by itself, uh, but you still need it to prevent them from curving out too fast. So like it's pretty common that on like turn five or something, they have a troll and you have fire impulse and spike field hazard and you just 
throw two cards at the tr- at troll and they just exile the troll and uh, like of course sometimes you will get got by troll also ledger shatter pretty quickly grows to three five at which point you can just handle troll in combat uh, but yeah, like I think the Zephyr Stroke is by far the best card against Mono Green that you can have off the sideboard. And Ethergast, first of all, not handling Karn or like Sky Sovereign, and people started playing like main deck Sky Sovereigns or even two. Uh, and also just like delaying the inevitable, basically. Not a fan of that because, like, similar to Tron, like, I, I think it's a very good comparison, like tr- Mono Green and Tron Modern. Like sometimes they have th- those draws, which is all mana and one payoff. And if you get rid of that payoff, they need to find another one, which sometimes will give you those like two or three turns that you need uh, to either get into a favorable position or just outright kill them. So, uh, yeah, I definitely do like, I think Design for Stroke is my favorite sideboard card in, in Pioneer right now. A really big fan of it. Uh, and I think Abrade is a close second. Abrade is just really, really good, I think. I, I found that Aethergust was good against green uh, from my from when I played green, just because, I think because you're not playing Arclight Phoenix is way worse, but I found that what, when I'm in a spot where I have to tap out for Cavalier, turn four or five, and they already have a Shredder on the board, and they gust, untap, and do things, and then I have to cast my Cav again, and then they can... Lava Exit, I found, or like just kill it. I found that it was like really hard to beat. And I think that's like why you want to play Gus. But if you have no pressure and you can't like present lethal, if I tap out for Cav again, then I can see why it's bad. Yeah, but like in this scenario, if they have Disable Stroke instead of Eater Gust, like. Yeah, of course. You I also think deal it's with like extra copies and stuff, right? I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, like yeah, play. that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think Gust is terrible against Mono Green. I I think the first Gust is worse than fourth Disdainful Stroke against them, basically. Mm. And if you want something more on top of that, you can play like I think Gust versus Negate against Mono Green is fairly close uh, because one of them, uh, like Negate, gets uh, Karn and Sky Sovereign uh, and like Storm. I guess both get Storm, but like, you either get Karn and Sky Sovereign and Kyora, or Kyora also gets get by both. So basically Karn versus creatures, so Karn versus Cavalier is the big difference. And I think especially out of Phoenix, like Karn for Tormod script is pretty good against Phoenix. So I, I would be inclined to have even more answers to, to Karn, um, I guess. But yeah, like... Other like be beyond four uh, strokes, you can play gas, you can play negate. I, I think I would rather play negate mostly not because it's that much better against mono green, but it's just a much more versatile card. Because Gust, aside from like we already have four designful strokes for mono green. So how many cyber souls do you want to like yeah. just devote entirely to mono green? Because would you side gas against like you you wouldn't side gas against red black. Uh, you would probably have gas against uh, like mono red decks, but it's not super like it's basically another like two mana one for one and you you are probably down on mana and you can't even answer answer like unlicensers out of the sideboard that can just screw you so yeah just not a big fan of gas in in pioneer but it's like not terrible of course do you have mystical dispute in the board and no um my my board is basically i have four strokes uh, i've had three upgrades um, which is seven. Then I've had one. Uh, I've had two pyromancers and two thing in the eyes. Uh, 
because I found that uh, a very problematic card for the deck is uh, Wedding Announcement out of Mono White, and everybody is playing four. So you basically need a way to, like, Fingernails both sweeps their tokens and kills them fast because the most problematic part of Wedding Announcement is actually the Emblem or the Anthem, rather, because then you can't trade so efficiently with Pyromancer tokens because their creatures are X, uh, are 2-2s two or even 2-3s, at which point you just can't get uh, on par with creating tokens on, uh, on time. Uh, so yeah, so that's 11 total. Then I've had two lessons for Divide by Zero. I've had Environmental Sciences and Mascot Exhibition. And I think you can even drop Environmental Sciences. Uh, I think you can just play like uh, divide by zero for mascot exhibition because it's just such a great win con, especially against red black. Because if you like play it well, uh, and you either choose environmental sciences earlier on, or you choose to loot, and then you can protect your mascot exhibition from getting foxes, uh, pretty well because you, you just get it when you want to cast it. And it's f fairly popular that, for example, I don't know, they play something that you would like to divide by zero, like Shieldred, uh, that costs a lot of mana, so you let it resolve, and then EOT, you cast divide by zero on it, you grab your mascot exhibition, you untap, play mascot, get for uh, free tokens, uh, and then you can even flashback it with founding uh, to get even more tokens, and like it's pr pretty common way to finish games against red-black. You just get free tokens, then you get free tokens again, and they can't keep up with removing everything. Uh, so yeah, that's 13 total. Then I've had like Negate and one other card, uh, Rending Volley. So like, I, I, I just don't think that the, there is there are slots uh, for Mystical Disputes in the sideboard. Uh, and I like, I don't really know which deck you really would like to have Mystical Dispute against. Uh, you need it against Spirits if you don't have cheap removal, but you're yeah, already like, a lot of cheap removal. Yeah, exactly. Like you already have red cards against Spirits. Uh, so that's that, that's good enough. Like against Phoenix, uh, I don't think that dispute is like. Of course, you would bring it in if you have it, but I don't think it's like super necessary or anything. Uh, and against like uh, blue white, I think the Zayful Stroke is good enough. Uh, and it's like I think uh, against blue white games tend to be really long. Uh, so Mystical Dispute uh, loses a bunch of its value later on. Uh, like, I've cast my fair share of uh, eight mana treasure cruises against Rest in Peace uh, when I faced Blue-White, so, and the games went to, like, turn 20 or something. And having the Zainful Stroke to counter either... Because, like, Mystical Dispute can't stack Wandering Emperor, which is a pretty big deal uh, fairly often, uh, or Leyline Binding, but that's less important, I guess. Uh, and Designful Stroke, like, ba yeah, basically any payoff they have can be tagged by Designful Stroke, which is uh, yeah. basically what you want to do. Because you will draw much, much more cards than they do, usually, because you have treasure cruises and foundings uh, and countries to find them. So it's not uncommon to have like four cards more in your hand than they do. Uh, but you have to stop their payoffs or they will uh, eventually snowball out of control. So you need those designful strokes for the fairies and emperors, I guess, to some extent. Uh, yep. Yeah. Have you tried Narset in that deck? Uh, I haven't. Uh, it's something I thought about. Uh, I used to play the blue-red Narset Days Undoing deck uh, when iteration was legal, and I really loved it. Uh, but then after, uh, when I tried it after iteration got uh, axed, uh, it felt that it's 
missing this kind of consistency that iteration provided. Uh, so I, I just yeah. switched to that. And basically, if you want to play like founding cruise and divide by zero, that's already a bunch of clankers. Uh, so having another card that costs three mana uh, is is a lot. Like right now, like um, I have six free drops, uh, and two of them is uh, are anger, which are very good at catching up uh, to provide uh, to prevent this clankiness. Uh, for divide by zeros, then I have like two Jaces and four treasure cruises and everything else is either one or two mana. Yeah. Uh, so, yep. You you very rarely get behind because you kept a hand with a bunch of uh, expensive cards that you can't cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Jace French Prodigy? Uh, I really, really like the card, uh, but it's just not that great, I feel only, like. I think it's actually pretty good. I've been playing with it. I used to play it in Modern against humans. It used to be my tech when I was playing blue-white control because kind of dodges Thalia and stuff and they board out some of their removal and or their creature removal and it just flips easily. It plays nice with sweepers. And I think it's really nice against the white decks, honestly, whether it's mono white or spirits. I also have been bringing it against green. I have a few thoughts. He's at Fatal Push. I'll talk about it a bit more later. Oh, but so I you're like saying, you're uh, sideboarding yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After okay. sideboarding. That, that makes sense. Uh, like... I like don't get me wrong. I like Jace as well. I played it in modern many many times. Uh, like my problem with main deck, main deck main decking Jace is that Stomp is a power, is a pretty common card, and if you get your Jace stomped, it's just so terrible for you every single time. Uh, so yeah, I I wouldn't main deck Jace, but having a sideboard Jace definitely makes sense. Uh, and I, I guess in in this deck you have like it's much better in blue black with like Fossies, as you mentioned already. And also, you already have founding in this deck that flashbacks your sweepers, so it's less important to to have this disability. Uh, do, do you play a bunch of field of runes? Uh, no, no uh, I have okay. only twenty lands. There is no really any okay. space for it. Yeah, I've had a f- sometimes few issues. It's all different deck, obviously, but I'm, I've been playing a lot of blue black days on doing, and I agree with your point that the sinful works really good. But I think you kind of also need to build around it. It's but it's cool. Like for instance, in blue black, you could build your deck, or in general, you could build your deck where you're playing a load of disdainful stroke against green, and then the rest of your sweepers are aimed at trolls and elves. So like you've got extinction event for trolls and elf, and then you've got disdainful stroke for the expensive stuff. But sometimes you get in these spots where they pressure you and have layer of the hydra kind of sitting there, and you can't, you don't really want to kill an elf, you can't really kill the troll if you don't have an exile effect. And then at some point you have to tap out for your sweeper and then they dash back with Lair and they got you low. So I got in, in these kind of weird spots and I always feel like it's kind of sketchy to max out on a card like Stroke and not have at least a little mix with like, I'm not saying Gust is great. I think I have maybe one right now in my uh, blue-black sideboard deck, but I feel like the flexibility is nice and not kind of getting owned, especially if you're playing with open deck lists. You need to make sure... You don't have holes. You know, it might be right for your deck to play four stroke, but I'm just saying in general, you need to be sure you don't have like huge holes where your opponent can just exploit the hell out of you and you can't like punish them. They can just say go in certain spots or play around your card. So, yeah, but... def- definitely very important thing uh, to keep in mind. Uh, I think that it's, yeah, like having those holes that can be exploited is definitely something you really don't want in your deck. Uh, I remember that 
a while ago, uh, there was this Lotus Field deck in Modern that Aspiring Spike plays, uh, the Jeskai one. Uh, and it had like just Force of Negation and Cryptic Command, or not even Force of Negation, I think, just Cryptic Commands as a counter magic. And once you learned the deck list, it was just impossible to lose any blue mirror because you just had to play around this cryptic command and it was just so easy. So definitely uh, it's important to have... Like, yeah, open deck list might be a bit different, but I still would probably favor stroke because of how insane it is against Monogreen, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, in general, uh, yeah. I think I, I think my... Uh, and what you said about Field of Ruin... I do agree that if your plan is like to take a control control route against mono green and have like sweepers, then having some outs to Lair of the Hydra makes sense. Uh, in the case of my deck, I do have Pyromancer, which can chump it pretty well with tokens, and I also would very rarely tap out against them uh, because uh, I just want to like impose tempo on them, and uh, I don't have any sweepers post board against them myself. So yeah, yeah. So how'd you end up doing in the actual tournament? Uh, yeah, I went, as I've said, I went 9-5 and ID. Or I guess 10-5 because I beat beaten the guy later on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 10-5 yeah, and ID, let's say. Uh, again, in Warsaw, and I went 5-3 uh, uh, in the action tournament. I lost last round to Cherry playing the... Ooh. Uh, playing the mono-white or red-white artifact, like Michiko Reigns of Truth deck. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, even though our games weren't that cool because uh, like game two, he kept a one lander with like spring leaf jam and I killed his creature. Then I had a braid for spring leaf jam. Uh, and then game two, uh, game three rather I flooded. Uh, so those games were pretty uneventful, but I think the deck is really sweet. Uh, uh, like in general, uh, what I already said, I don't like about Pioneer are bad mana bases. And the reason I like decks like Mono Black Zombies or uh, Mono White Humans is that they turn that weakness into a strength because their mana bases are really good. Because they have like Muta Vaults and Castles and a bunch of like Manlands. Uh, so uh, I think that Ch that Cherry's decks uh, is in a similar spot. I know he plays like four Muta Vaults uh, and some roadside reliquaries. Uh, for those of you who aren't very familiar with Neon Dynasty Draft, it's a land that taps for colorless and for free and a tap, free tap sacrifice. You draw a card if you have enchantment and you draw a card if you have artifact, so you can draw two if you have both artifact and enchantment. Uh, pretty sweet one. So yeah, uh, like my uh, my take on Pioneer is that mana bases should be equalized. Uh, not in love with how Mono Green plays out, uh, in love with the Zelfu Stroke and Treasure Cruise. That's basically uh, my, my take on Pioneer right now. Yeah. Like, my deck is very sweet, even if the games sometimes are not. Yeah. What about matchups? You said you felt slightly favored against Ragdos. What about Mono Green, Phoenix, Band Spirits, Mono White, maybe these five, six decks? Like... Yeah. So, I guess that's another point uh, that. Another thing I kind of dislike about Pioneer is that I have no idea how my matchups are because every deck is just a shitty enough that it can just lose to itself. And you like my sample sizes are not big enough to know if that's just how the matchup should play out or, okay, my deck did not draw like... like 
even if you are playing a blue deck with cantrips, you only have like four uh, or eight ops and considers, and they aren't that good at digging. Like with the founding version, it's not that common, but sometimes you will just not draw your cantrips, and the treasure cruise will cost like five mana, and you lose, or you draw only one color with red black, as I've said, or you only draw one payoff and it gets foxed or stroked uh, out of mono green, or something like that. So, yeah, I think that. Mono green is a matchup that I think is fairly close to 50-50 overall, but this has this weird optics because when you lose, you get absolutely pummeled and you can't do much. But when you win, it's like, okay, so I played a two drop and then I countered everything. And sometimes you, uh, your opponent will be like, oh, if I had one more turn, uh, I, I would kill you. And uh, but, but I won because I had just enough uh, uh, answers. Uh, so I think overall the outcome is that Around 50-50 in the monogreen matchup. Like, if you win game one against monogreen, you feel really good because game one is pretty tough. Uh, Like, for example, like, I went uh, two and one against monogreen in Warsaw. I played against my friend. uh, Like, I played against uh, two of my my buddies day one and first of them, uh, uh, first one just smashed me completely. O2 had nothing to say. And the second one, uh, he moved to, I think, no, I think he kept a seven and he went uh, on the play, land elf go. Uh, I've had a seven without the removal spell for elf, but it was good. Or it was a six, I don't remember. And I was like, okay, here we go again. I, I draw a card, it's not a removal spell. I play like a top land and pass. And I was prepared for like Kiora or Troll. And instead of, uh, of that, he went, um, he tapped his forest to cast off of Nissa. He took three cards on the top of his deck. He showed me three Storm the Festivals. Mm-hmm. Just put them to the bottom. <laughs> Played another O, f- found the land, number two. Or found an elf and let me go or something like that, like with just one land. No, uh, the games are pretty swingy. Yeah. Sometimes green yeah. looks great and sometimes kind of a joke. Yeah, that, 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 that's basically, yeah. very. I think that's the best word to describe green. It's very swingy. But yeah, in general, I, I, I think it's fairly close... Uh, against green you might be a bit unfavored uh there yeah. i think you are favored against red black uh even if not like terribly but i would i, I really hate percentages but I, yeah, I don't know sure i would say like whatever 60 percent let's say okay. just throw a random number uh yeah like i, I basically expect to win uh, a good deal more than lose to mono uh, to, to red black rather like yeah yeah Three fifths of the time sounds about right. Uh, against mono white, s- some people won't ha- won't bring in wedding announcement against you for some reason, yeah. uh, because they will, for example, think that you are playing Phoenix or something. Uh, and against those people, you are really favored because wedding announcement is the best card against you. Sometimes on the draw, you will keep a hand of like make disappear, and they will have Talia, and it's bad. Uh, and sometimes Adeline will uh, run away with the game. That's one of the reasons I really like Rending Volley um, uh, in the sideboard, but I only uh, can play one now. Uh, but yeah, I, I think spirits are, or humans rather, are uh, like solidly favored if they don't have wedding announcement uh, and slightly favored even if they do bring wedding announcement. I lost against Samuel Estrati in Warsaw. Uh, he also had Gideon out of the sideboard, Gideon Ally of Zendikar. Uh, so that's pretty impactful as well. Uh, but yeah, 
once again, even with a big announcement, I think you are solidly favored to win game one, and you just need to fade wedding announcement or deal with it somehow game in one of postboard games. Uh, spirits are kind of in the same boat. It depends on how skilled spirits people are at drawing rattle chains, because that's like the uh, the way you usually lose is that you can't afford to play around rattle chains uh, and you just get blown up by rattle chains. Uh, and sometimes you lose to the one man enchantment, a shaper sanctuary yeah. uh, out of the sideboard. Like it's another card that's very swingy because sometimes you can play around it. And if you can play around it, it does literally nothing. Like I think I've had, uh, I've had a match on Modo. I don't know, two weeks ago before Warsaw, when my opponent mulligan to five and they went 10-1 Sanctuary and I had nothing to say in this game. Uh, but I also had like two games, one on Action and one in Warsaw, uh, when they went with 10-1 uh, Sanctuary. And I think in total in both of those games, I killed like 20 of their creatures and they draw two cards total. Uh, total. Because there was like, okay, so I play Anger, you don't draw because uh, it's yeah. a sweeper. Or like, I've had this really sweet uh, turn uh, when they, they've had Selfless Spirit and they've had two Mausoleum Wanderers uh, and they port- Portable Hold my Shredder. Uh, and then I upgraded Portable Hold, get the Shredder back, block A to one. Uh, or sometimes you will just trade in combat or with Anger of the Gods. Uh, so yeah, another card that like, Kind of swingy, but in general, I would say that spirits are uh, slightly favored. Uh, and then, what other decks are there? Uh, like, I'm basically, yeah, yeah, I feel favored against uh, aggro decks in general because of anger mostly. I do feel favored against the red black, probably slightly unfavored against mono green. Uh, I haven't played against Phoenix, I think okay. once, yeah. Uh, so, I, I think that. This might be the matchup in which I would be uh, somewhat behind because my cyborg is like uh, zero ways to answer Phoenix or, or like zero cards against Phoenix specifically. Like I will bring in negate and thing in the ice and like yeah. uh, some stuff. And like I do have main deck anger, so definitely there are ways for me to win. Uh, and then I guess uh, the like Keruga or Enigmatic Incarnation fire deck. I got smashed every time I played against them. And like it it looks so weird to me because from from my side of the board, they have a better mana base than red black and they are five colors. They just have all their mana on time. Uh I, I think that uh it, it's a pretty smart deck building that those decks have uh like all five colors of mana without fetch lands, so they need to play like a bunch of top lands. But we also play binding and train to the rocks and portable hall, so we do have enough cheap ways to impact the board early on to mitigate those uh, those taplands like tapland plus chain to the rocks is perfectly fine turn two uh, and then you have your mana online by like turn three or four you can start casting your big dudes and sometimes they will just cast incarnation uh, after casting turn two turn three ley line mining and they will get uh, titan of industry or agents of treachery on turn four and just win or sometimes they will draw their singleton uh, I don't know, bullshit standard card like Scarab God that they play for some reason. <laughs> or I guess they play it to tutor it with Enigmatic Incarnation, but they will just tap five mana for Scarab God and it will be like, nice, okay, I can't win anymore because Scarab God is obscene. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. 
Overall, cool. I felt like this deck is really, really good. Uh, yeah, it seems like you think like your sounds like your favorite against most decks. Green, maybe a little tough, but not even that bad. Maybe I'll have to give it a try because I've been playing a lot of blue decks, but not blue red. I've been playing like blue white and Esper and the Days on Doing deck. Um, yeah, so I, I I've played a bit over twenty rounds in paper both uh, this week and last week, and I lost eight matches total, and my losses were to. I, I lost to Red Black twice, and I won five times against them, I think. And definitely I've had this match uh, against, uh, I, I don't remember their name, they were Portuguese, uh, half Portuguese, half, half yeah. Austrian, actually. And they played really well. And it was the first opponent on, on that, uh, during that tournament, I've, that I fought, after they fought seized me, that this fought seized did something more than just take a card from my hand. They actually played pretty well again, uh, around my things. And my draw lined up fairly poorly against, like, they saw make disappear uh, and they played around it. And I didn't draw anything like Treasure Cruise to punish them for waiting two turns with their plays. Uh, I also lost to a guy who ended up top 18 with Red Black. So two of my losses were to Red Black, two of my losses were to Mono Green. Uh, and I won twice against Mono Green as well. Two of my losses were to Humans, uh, mostly wedding announcement once again. Uh, and then I also lost to. I don't remember, uh, but yeah, like the, the two loses at Axion that I uh, can't uh, recall right now. Uh, oh, I lost to Cherry on on artifacts, and then I lost. Um... I mean, it doesn't really matter. I guess. Yeah, something. Some, I I lost to something. Oh, I lost to Lotus. I think Lotus is tough. Oh, that's another matchup that's like somewhat popular. It used to be one of the most popular decks and now it's not very popular. And I think Lotus is a fairly tough matchup as well, especially if you like if you don't know that you are playing against Lotus. So yeah. it's much easier than open deck list, definitely. Uh like for example, I played against Lotus and I messed up because they, they moved to five and they were on the play and they started with an island. Uh and I didn't know what they are playing. I fought like mono blue. But it was not a snow-covered island, so I was so I should have known that they are not playing uh, mono blue, uh, and they they played Otawara on two. So I was okay, mono blue once again. So I did not play my Shredder on two, and instead I hold up like a removal spell, and then they played Tespan stage on three. Yikes. And if I had this Shredder already on the board, I I could maybe pressure them well enough. But yeah, I think Lotus is also like, I think Lotus is like. Uh, decidedly unfavorable game one. It's pretty hard to win against Lotus game one. Post board, you do have uh, uh, you do have a chance, especially if their plan against like blue controller deck is to play uh, for distortion. The yeah. uh, six mana can be counter exile your hand, uh, basically because divided by zero works very well against it. Uh, so we can just keep yeah, dividing. I don't it. think I don't think that's what they do anymore. They just have like Disfuse or Galvanic Iteration, or I haven't seen that card that that often. Anymore. Yeah, like it's the first time I've played against Lotus since July, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, have, you have a little clock with Shredder. If you can get Shredder on two, and then you have like four disdainful strokes and some negates. And yeah, stuff. post board we have also like uh, I have four creatures in the side with two Pyromancers to think in there. <laughs> Basically, if you get. Uh, you can always, even on the draw, play turn to creature because they can't turn free you realistically. Uh, so if you 
play your creature on turn two and then start interacting with them, you can win in this Delver-esque fashion. Uh, sometimes it won't be enough, especially since make disappear very quickly becomes bad against them. Uh, maybe if you maybe if your turn two play is Pyromancer, then make disappear to make them pay four more is good enough. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think Lotus is is. I would say from what I've played, was uh, again very limited testing. I, I might play it once more against Lotus on Modo. I would say that Lotus is the worst matchup. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I played I played a bit this week. Well, I played a decent bit. I actually played the Modern Challenge on Saturday. I hadn't played Modern in a while. I decided to just play Creativity because it looked cool. And, you know, we had the we had Pai Galanti on the podcast last weekend. So I actually just took his list. I think I changed, like, just a couple cards. And... The deck was good. I did get Orvard uh, twice in two different matches. I got double Orvard in, in one game twice, so that was super brutal. Even though the second time was basically a non-losable game, it was against Hammer Time. They were stuck on lands, at a ran. All I had to do was nothing. Just had this removal. I don't remember the exact content on my hand, but it was... I, I went back and watched a replay, and I was like, how... how can I, I could have done that, you know, it was, anyways, that was, that was frustrating, but the deck felt strong, Orvar was a little tough, I did have the one Titan, one uh, Yona in my sideboard, but I think the first matchup where I got Orvar, these, these creatures were not especially good against them, so I didn't bring them in, and yeah, so. But did you get Orvar, uh, Orvar out of Hammer? Yeah, out of hammer. Well, I I wouldn't play around it unless you know that it's here because like it's pretty unlikely a card to for them to have. Also, the fact that Orvar gets uh, dunked on by Veil of Summer, uh, because you can Veil to counter Orvar's trigger because it targets your permanent, so we can just Veil the Orvar trigger and they won't yeah. get a copy. Uh, that makes me a bit uh, less high on Orvar than I was before, especially since most of the decks that play Orvar. You want Veil of Summer anyways again because they're yeah. like black or blue yeah. decks. I agree, and that's probably why I did it because I didn't expect it. And even if they had it, I think I could maybe still beat the the one the first time. But then I was too far behind, so I had to go for the second creativity, and they had the second Orvar. But no, you don't understand. I ran on five. They had two lands and no permanence. Maybe even one land. They also had White March for my token, so I couldn't sack that to our console. It was a little unlucky, but. There was zero chance. I think my hand was double fire eyes. They had no board. It was okay. it was really bad. Like if there's even like a one percent chance they have. Orvar okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I guess it was bad. So that's my experience for the challenge. I thought the deck was good, but my play was was kind of eh. Um, and yeah, Orvar is definitely uh, tough. And then on Saturday, on Sunday, I played the Pioneer Challenge. I played the the Blue Black Days on Doing deck. I've been tuning. I went five and two. My two losses were timeout, so kind of Nassif seven zero, I guess. The deck felt really good all day. I did play a prelim yesterday with the list, and I went one and three, and that was a little disappointing. I was starting to get pretty high on the deck, so that kind of slowed me down. But I, I do think the deck is good. I've been tuning it, kind of making it a little leaner. Um, I've had these JVPs inside. I think they're they're really good in some matchups, but I think I maybe need to adjust because it's can be awkward with Shadow's Verdict. And um, I played also other control decks. I played a 
kind of an interesting blue-eyed control list was dig and consider instead of memory deluge. And I was kind of impressed by consider plus dig. I thought it was strong, but it was still a little swingy, you know. I think I played against green twice, and the first time I was like, wow, dig is awesome. It's like infinitely better than deluge. And then the second match, I lost a game where on turn four, I had dig in time and only two cards in my yard and couldn't cast it. And if it was a deluge, maybe I would have had a shot. I think the list I played also didn't have a single farewell in the 75, and that's kind of a card you, you can miss against green. So overall, I thought it was good, but not meaningfully better or worse than playing Deluge. The other interesting thing about this list is they were relying on Lockdown. So they were playing three Fateful Absence and two Temporary Lockdown in the main deck and no Portable Hole. And same thing, it was... I thought it was pretty good, honestly. I thought it was mostly good, maybe better than playing Portable Hole, but also Swingy. I did get like two Elves and a Wolf Halo in a Haven plus an Oath against Green, and one time it was great. I did get three Elves in another game, but they had Basaju. So they got them back and, and cast a storm and I lost, but it was still, I don't think Portable Hole would have saved me. So it was it was interesting. All in all, I didn't feel like it made that big of a difference, but you know, maybe four considers, two digs, and a memory deluge rather than three consider and three dig. If I was to to play with these cards again, I think I would I slightly change the numbers. And um, I think the Fateful plus Lockdown is interesting. It's pretty cool. You can Fateful something and, you know, your Lockdown gets a clue token if they hadn't had time to sack it. I also said it before, but I think Fateful is pretty good with five mana fair in general. And if they want to spend two mana in their early turn, drawing a card when you're casting Wandering Emperor into Teferi, it's, it's not that bad. Um, I also tried Esper, finally. I know, Yen, like, I know you like Esper. I don't know if you uh, ever played Esper in, in Pioneer and... I started off really well. I was 4 in the league. Vanishing Verse was looking amazing in screen. Um, and then I lost the last one to white. I won a really close one against Mono White. I felt like I got a little lucky. And then I, I kind of lost to white. And then I started another league. I went 0-2 drop. So kind of evened out. You know, the wheels kind of fell off. I, I lost to green after beating it twice in the first league. But I will say Vanishing Verse is pretty obscene against green. Your mana is not perfect, and sometimes your lands come into play tab, but you can catch up because you have push. For one, you know, it's not a big deal. If you go tap land into tap land push, that's still okay. Um, even on the draw, even if they go elf troll and you go tap land, tap land push, your elf slow you down a bit. And then verse lets you catch up. Um, yeah, I was playing a mix of eliminate and verse, which, which is kind of cool because mutavolt is a thing. and. Um, you know, Cure is a thing. So Eliminate was was good. You know, some people have been super high on Verse. They feel like it's the main reason to play Esper, and I kind of agree, but I'm also not sure it's going to really work out with you if you play four Vanishing Verse. You know, Blood Dice Harvester beats you down. There's there's a few. You know, I, I lost to Croxa one game um, and discarded Verse to, to Croxa as my last card. So that was a spot where it wasn't great. So yeah, I felt like you know, as just kind of another control deck. It has upsides, it has downsides, you know, the mana base. Um, I do agree that the black cards are, are you know, black removal is, is better than the white cards, but I'm not sure it's it's worth it in the end. It is interesting, though. It's, you know, I'm hoping to play control in Sophia. I'm hoping that I can learn, you know, a bit every time I play control deck and maybe get to, to a good list. Talking with you too about your, your blue-red list, I'll have to try that probably at some point to 
to get that perspective and see how I like it. But yeah, basically, you know, control pretty good. The days I'm doing that pretty good, but still nothing that feels like, you know, I found the, the, the good mix. I do like one thing about control and Pioneer is I, I feel like the removal is good and lines up pretty well overall, whether it's portable hole, fiery impulse, fatal push first. And I think that's pretty cool because sometimes you're playing control and, and the removal, you know, kind of in modern, you don't, I mean, the removal is fine, but it feels so much worse than the frets. I feel like in Pioneer, at least when you're trying to play control, you have pretty good removal, pretty good sweepers. I think maybe Extinction Event is is the best sweeper in the format. I guess maybe Anger of the Gods I haven't played was Anger, but Extinction Event's pretty amazing. The Exile part is nice. It's fairly cheap. You can build your deck around it. Mostly you want the name Odd, and if you're playing a bunch of even casting cost creature like Eretite, Kalidas, Shark Typhoon tokens, that's pretty cool. And yeah, also obviously with your spot removal, you target you know their even creatures, get rid of the odds. Uh, I like your point about the creature lands. I feel like sometimes people don't. I like playing one of each in 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 my blue black deck. You know, I think maybe people will build a blue black deck and they'll default to like oh two hole of the storm giants because end game finisher. It's really good. It's blue, but. I really like the split. First of all, I think Hive is just really good, maybe even better than Hall in the meta. The Menace is super good. Free power is exactly enough to kill a Karn. Um, I found that Karn is not always that impactful because you can kill it easily and it can be a little slow and then you can counter the card they get. So sometimes you get in spots where a card's not that scary. I also think that just sometimes, you know, it's you know one of the reasons to play one of is you draw both of your one ofs and you'd like much rather have one of each and two of the same. So you know there are these games where you go turn one hall, turn two hive. You've got your your mana set up. It's not too awkward. So I don't know. Do you play one of each in your blue red deck? I'm playing three total and I'm playing two halls, one then. Before I played two and I played one and one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like then is very very similar to hive. I think it has the same activating cost. Uh, it deals roughly the same amount of damage. Uh, it's easier to block, but you get another token. So yeah, I, I think splitting the difference is really good, especially since uh, while Hall is like, yeah, people default to Hall because they usually come from Modern and they want to cast Archmage's Charm and you can't do it with non-blue lad. But in Pioneer, like it's actually another land that taps for your turn one Fotsis or Fatal Push or Fire Impulse or whatever. And uh, I might be a bit too concerned with that in usual, uh, usually in Magic. Like I really dislike mana bases that can't cast their cards on curve. Like four years, it was my biggest issue with blue-white control that people for some reason hate casting their cards on turn one. Uh, and I've been playing like, I don't know, Seachrom Coast and blue-white because I want to cast my Prismatic Ending on turn one. Uh, so yeah, definitely another non-blue land to cast your interaction early on is, is welcomed. And yeah, just having one of each, sometimes, as you said, you draw one and if you draw two holes, but you stuck, you are stuck on seven, on, on six lands, you can't activate either of them, but you can freely activate your, uh, your cheaper man land. So yeah. Yeah, I would maybe go as far. Actually, when I played my League of Blue at Control, I think I had one hole and one cave of the Frost Dragon, even though it's 
you know, it's obviously one of the worst ones, maybe the worst one. <laughs> it's it's such a stinker. Yeah, I think in mono white plays it sometimes, and I wanted to push the logic a bit. You know, I'd been so impressed by the split of one hole, one hive that um, it, I don't think it ever really came up. But uh, yeah, right now, yeah, I'm still you know ex- pretty excited about the blue black deck, a little tuning. Um, I, I like. What I like, I think maybe I mentioned last week, is I feel like when I win, it feels good. And when I lose, it feels like I got really unlucky. And I feel like that's usually a good sign when you're playing a deck. Um, so, you know, yeah. a, a little more tuning, a little more bigger sample size, I'll, I'll, I'll get an idea. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I get that totally. I have a similar feeling when playing Blue Red. Sometimes you just don't find Treasure Cruise in 30 cards and you lose because of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was looking at the results. Um, so we're mostly talking about Pioneer this week. Uh, the Saturday Challenge actually had eight different decks in the top eight. There was actually an Ignis deck. There was a red-green, two different red-green decks. There was the Atarka version. I think the one Doomwake did well was a few weeks ago. And then there's that red-green mid-range aggro deck that people have been playing with four chariots. Four the boat deck, yeah. Yeah. I even like both. Four Akron, the Akron War in the main deck. That deck's been putting up results. Uh, you had Ragdos, you had Band Spirits that one, you had Phoenix, you had Hidden Strings. And then on Sunday, um, still some diversity. There was a Mono White Goblin deck and Mono White, so, but a lot of the same decks on Sunday. So overall, there was 10 different archetypes that made top eight this weekend. Um, obviously, there's going to be less diversity on Sunday when you look at the Saturday results, but yeah, free Ragdos. Uh, Ragdos was the most represented in top eight. Phoenix had, had two copies. And then actually that red-green deck, uh, I guess free mono-green, free Ragdos, two Phoenix and two of that red-green deck. No uh, no signs of control in, in either top eights. That's how it is sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, for people thinking Pioneer is, st- is, is you know, a little stale, maybe, but you look at prelims from yesterday and... I don't know if you met that person because you apparently you you've seen the deck before. We talked a tiny bit about it earlier, but it was Fires Karuga. Fires of Invention was Karuga as your companion. Uh, four Fabled, four Binding, four Fires, four, Bo- four Bone Crusher, four Kenris, four Omnath, two Sky Turtle, Sky Turtle, the one you play in Living End sometimes, and yeah. three Cavalry of Flames, a couple of Verdicts, and an Angra Sweepers. Twenty eight lands. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that was a deck in, in Pioneer, but... Yeah, it basically looks like a standard Fires deck. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Duke 12, 4-0. Um, you had Sneak inside of 4 with Phoenix. Bunch of Ragdos, but even the Ragdos decks are a little different. Uh, I lost to someone who was playing Giganta, and they had Extinction Event in the main deck. Um, so, so even there, there's still like some tuning to do, maybe a few innovations. Um, yeah, I played. I actually played one league with Ragdos too that I didn't finish, but I was three and one. Lost a close one to the combo deck, which is supposedly one of your worst matchups. And then I kind of crushed a bunch of decks. I actually beat Green, but I had like super good draws. So um, might be playing a little Ragdos too just to see if you know. I might just be the deck I end up playing in Sophia if I feel like the control decks are. Are not good enough. Do you feel like you're locked in with that blue red deck? Like something big would have to change? Or are you still going to be trying like different decks? Before, I'm just going to uh, play blue red. Like, just in the list. And... Like, uh, 
anytime I think about uh, my skill set as magic player, I am aware of the fact that deck selection is my biggest downfall, and I have a certain type of decks that I like, and uh, I very very rarely stray from that. Uh, like it, it would take a lot for me to play a deck without cantrips in it. Like I've I've tried like stock blue white and modern a while ago. Uh, like I don't know, maybe a month, yeah, uh, maybe a bit less. After playing Merktide for like. I don't know, five months straight or whatever. And I did not realize how good I had with Merc Tide. Like, a bunch of countries, you never flood, you rarely screw. Uh, and if you flood, you have like Fire Islet to get you back in the game. And Mono White, and like, and Blue White just sometimes don't work because you draw too many lands or draw too few lands. So, like, I really, really would. Uh, prefer to play uh, deck with cantrips. If for some reason I'm not playing the um, uh, the Treasure Cruise blue deck, I would play uh, uh, an aggro deck. I would probably play humans. I think humans is my favorite aggro deck. I might try the zombies deck, uh, but it's a bit too deadly i think like I, if i'm playing a monocolor strategy i would rather play uh something aggressive but maybe if people are too too well prepared for it uh then it's not great but yeah like monocolor deck is is and well i guess green is also a monocolor deck but i i wouldn't play green um but yeah if i'm not playing blue red there's like 99 percent chance i'm gonna play blue red and if i'm not, like okay i guess it's 90 percent to play blue red uh Top ten percent to play other blue deck, like for example, I don't know if you if you do very well with the blue black deck, and yeah. I don't know. I know Canister played that deck uh, in the challenge as well. Uh, I'm gonna meet him later on today while we're playing paper, and I'm gonna just chat with him about the deck. To brag about getting to hang out with Canister. <laughs> yep, uh, nice. it's nothing to brag about, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Canister is a good dude. Uh, uh, yeah, like sometimes I feel like this this old man uh, telling uh, some s- story from thirty years ago to his grandchildren. Like I remember when Canister walked in for his first tournament because I was I was playing like for I don't know I was playing tournaments for like five years at this point, yeah. and I remember Canister shown to like uh, our modern weekly uh, and. He bought a dual deck Izzet versus Golgari with his friend. Yeah. He took the Golgari, like his friend took the, the Golgari deck, he took the Izzet deck. He just shuffled it together, tried to play it, or like maybe threw in some cards. And he was playing against this like grizzled veteran who played for like 15 years at this point. Uh, and he uh, he plays Island and then he plays Brainstorm because it was in the dual deck. And, he, and his opponent was like, well, you can't play that card in this format. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's like speaking of canister, like it's it's insane to me how fast canister got really good at magic. It's yeah, it's uncanny. Like he started playing uh like I don't know, 2013 with like Gate Crush or something. Then uh, year after he started playing magic, like he haven't played magic, like he played dual masters before, I think, but he, a year later he went to his first GP and like uh, went six three with, with twin, uh, and then on day two he played like 
this was, I think, the biggest pivot in Kamister's career was day two of this tournament when he played the, like a PTQ. He played Restore Balance, which was a deck that he played a lot back then. And then he just borrowed Twin from our friend to play it in, in a like, serious tournament. But he was like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. I'm going to play my balance, Restore Balance deck in the PTQ. He went 0-5. And in the fifth round, he played against uh, a Hive Mind deck of some sort. And he slaughter games their uh, Hive Minds and their pact, the Red Pact that make the Giant. And he just lost to Sima Spirit Guide attacking him to death. <laughs> and he was like, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to play those shitty decks anymore. And he went home and he went up to MTG Salvation and he found Amulet and he was like, oh, that looks cool. And it was at the time that Amulet was like, nobody knows about, knew about Amulet. Uh, and what's, what's, what's funny, like, Kanister has this insane knack uh, at knowing which decks are broken like so far in advance like at this point it was early 2014 like there were like a bunch of people playing like maybe two or three people playing amulet uh, on modo uh, but it wasn't like i think the first like breakout paper finish uh, for amulet was uh, canister stop eight later on that year in december in milan uh, but even if it was like uh, already known at some point like when he bought into it, it was like completely unknown. And he was choosing between two decks. And one of them was Amulet. And the other was one was Lantern. Like four years before Lantern became the thing. It's like insane. Like this sixth sense of knowing what, what decks are bonkers. Uh, th those weird like combo decks. Is, is just, I've never seen anything like that in my life. And like, as I said, like the sheer amount of like like talent and like he basically started playing modo uh like first like maybe a couple months into uh into playing into magic or maybe he bought amulet on modo and he started playing amulet on modo but like after he started playing on modo he became better than me overnight and i had like five years on him uh yeah of playing magic uh like tournament magic and beforehand i've played uh casual as well well to be fair for the first uh, let's say, I don't know, 13 years of playing Magic, I was very bad at Magic. Uh, and then basically when I started playing, um, then I got okay-ish, uh, I think around 2015, and then 2017 I started playing on Modo, and then like, Modo is just, like, I might be biased, and for example, when we are like preparing our metagame analysis with Sodek, we are only taking Modo results, uh, uh, to analyze, I don't care about like paper events either in Europe or in NA, especially since there is this huge four color bias in NA in modern, which is like mind boggling to me. Uh, but yeah, like I think that Modo is just there is like if you want to get good at magic, uh, I think you have to play Modo, maybe a, like a ladder on arena kind of things, I guess. So, like, Modo is just. But you will face best players every day or every week at like challenges, and you will just get good so fast because you will just churn so many matches. Especially if like when I kind of start and I started playing Modo, we were like students and we had like I don't know a lot of free time uh, in our lives because we had to go to university like two days a week or something. <laughs> uh, uh, and like I remember when I started grinding a lot on Modo, I was playing the blue red uh, Emrakul Bridge deck. Uh, I played 
as many matches in one week as my friends from uh, from the LGS would play on our weeklies for like in like I don't know half a year or something like that. Just yeah. play like three or four leagues per day because you are 20 years old and you only need like I don't know a Red Bull and something to eat and then you can just sit uh, all day and play Modo because because you are a goblin not a human basically uh, so yeah like Modo is Modo is just goated yeah I love Modo even and I hate when people hate on Modo I think it's uh, yeah I think it's really good yeah I think it's pretty good software too yeah yeah it's like it's like it's basically what it's supposed to be. It's a simulator of a card game that's paper. Like yeah. it's basically it looks like Excel, but it, that's a good thing uh, because uh, that's what it's supposed to be. It's not a video game. Like uh, Arena is basically video game that you use magic cards to play with. Uh, to me, like with the graphic design and everything. Like I don't know. I just well, but to defend Arena a bit, I I haven't played. A single match on Arena before I qualified for the New Capena uh, Pro Tour or Championships, and then I had to play Arena, and it was actually I was actually kind of surprised by how smooth it was. It actually felt pretty pretty okay, but uh, it's true that if you have to do something a bit le- more advanced and complicated, and you have to like go into full control and stuff, it's not very convenient to do so. Yeah, no, no. Do, yeah, you, you. Uh, before we started, also you, you, uh, uh, we were talking about the new model web page with the decklist, and you said something about Daybreak, and Daybreak also said that they will try and implement like new things. Do you think they will like implement loops? Maybe I, I heard like that. I heard they wanted to implement auto tapping. Mm. Yeah, because they, they, they were talking about some some sort of automation. So. That's a big one. I really, I mean, I don't think they can do that, but I really hope we don't get the one big thing I don't like about Arena is the timing tells thing and not having priority and stuff. So, but yeah, no, the, the, um, I actually, it was funny because I was, I was kind of complaining on my stream yesterday that we lost the, the pages with your results and stuff, but actually it's still there. It's like mtgo.com slash en slash mtgo slash decklist. If, you know, people are wondering where yeah, they find the results it's for brilliance. But you have to like... it, it actually looks better now. You can scroll down before it was kind of weird and buggy and it was okay. But yeah, so so far so good. I know people have said Moto runs a bit faster for them, and maybe the servers make Moto run a bit faster. I'm not sure I've really felt that, but uh I think I only fired up Modo once or twice after after uh, the reinstallment of the client, and uh, Modo launched way faster for me. Okay. Uh, like maybe not even launch. Like uh, this time when you launch Modo, it boots up for a while, and then it's this loading Magic Online screen. And the time before the loading Magic Online screen shows up, it was roughly the same, but when it was on, it usually took like 30 seconds for it to disappear for me. And now it was like five seconds or whatever. Okay. So yeah. this part was definitely faster. All right, cool. Well, Harry, sorry, but you barely said a word. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, you, you, you played a lot of magic this week too. You've been, you've been on the grind. Yeah, no, I mean, the only thing I did was play vintage. Every match of Magic that I play that I think is relevant goes up on my YouTube, so yeah, there's not too much that people wouldn't see. 
What I want to thank is there's a lot of comments now on my YouTube channel like, I've done the right thing, I listened to Midweek Metagame and then I came to Harry's YouTube, so appreciate uh, anyone search. listening that does yeah. that. But uh, no, I, I don't have too much this week, I, I, I didn't really play much relevant magic to the comp players, but what is relevant is life on the line and the price is right. Price is right, we're going to pick a card from Card Market and all three of us guess the price of the card. Anyone got any idea? Any idea? Oh, Orvar. I have an idea. Orvar. Didn't we do Orvar last week? Oh, did we? Oh, yeah. I, don't, we I feel like did. we did Orvar not long ago, but maybe not. What about I thought this, last like, week we like... did a band card. Didn't we do like Meat Hook or something? I don't know. What about Art like Phoenix? Do you know how much Ooh. it's worth already, Yendrik? Uh, uh, no. Okay, let's do Phoenix. But, it's I'm... Mythic too, right? Yeah. I'm gonna be real with you. This is why I wanted to come here. The price is right. Oh, That's why I wanted to come here. Because okay. every time I'm listening to one of your episodes and I listen, the price is right. I'm beating you so badly at it. Really? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. not very hard. I'm never even close, but. Okay. Harry okay. and Ted do a pretty good job. All right. Well, dude, you put. Uh, let's see if you can put your money where your mouth is. Okay, so let me think about it. So it's a mythic. It's played in Pioneer and that tiny bit modern, I guess. All right, I, I think I have a price. I think if we have to judge it, uh, uh, judge uh, uh, the price by how strong it is in modern, I think it's negative euros for modern. <laughs> well, Spike's <laughs> gonna be mad. Uh, okay, you have a price. Uh, yeah, I think I have a so, price. Okay. I, I will think about it. Oh. Uh, I know how it how much it was back when it's modern legal or like when looting was modern legal and was the best deck. Uh, I know how much I paid for it, which was euro and a half each wow. on, the fer- on the week of release. Another sick brag. It was yeah. It was maybe Canister just blessed me with this insight of his for a week and I just bought Arclight Phoenixes in paper and online for like nothing uh, and I also know that it will be reprinted in a secret lair, uh, the Magic 30 secret lair, which will probably do not impact its price whatsoever uh, okay, I think I have a guess yeah, I have a guess too okay, 3, 2, 1, 12 18, 10 euro Okay, I said 10. 18. What did you say, Yendrik? 10. 10, and you, Harry? 12. Oh, as always, I, like, way overshot it. Average price is 6 euros and 5 cents from 30 days on card market. I wanted to say less. Than, like, I, I wanted to say, like, 7 or 8, but I got I, I thought that 10 is, like, nice and round. Yeah, dude, I was, like, 35, and then I was, like, nah, it's way too much. 20, and I'm, like, nah, it's still a little too much. I'll it, was, it was 30 when it was the best deck in modern. Wow, okay, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't, maybe with Pioneer, you know, like being popular and stuff in the next big round of events, it would go up. But okay, well, you 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 won. Sick. That's that, that's what, what I'm here for, basically. Yeah. Life. An hour and I wouldn't have build up to winning the prizes, right? Nice. <laughs> nice. Yo, life on the line. Theoretical tournament tomorrow. Win the event you live, lose, you die. Decklist from every format we talked about today, I guess Modern and Pioneer, or whatever formats think are appropriate. Maybe just Pioneer, yeah. we barely talked about Modern. Well, yeah, because I would I, I would die if we were doing Modern, because I, I, I'm not sure what I would play. Probably I would most... just say Merktide. 
Ed, right. Ed wouldn't be super excited about it. Yeah. Well, Pioneer, I guess, Yendrake, I guess we know what you're playing, but let's hear it. I would play blue red cards. Shocker. Whoa. What do I do, Harry? Monogreen. Monogreen. And I would play my blue black days on doing deck, or maybe Ragdos, but probably blue black days on doing. I still think it's, it's good. Awesome. Okay. Well, I guess to finish with the episode, Yendrick, thank you for coming on. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me like the best place is, is just Twitter at TSP Endrek, And then I have like pinned tweet or link tree in my bio to all the other content I'm making. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my Twitch this Saturday, I'll be doing French commentary for day two of world championship on French Twitch channel of Valen PL. And I'll probably be doing some coverage on my own channel on Friday and Sunday. I might also do some some preview, some YouTube short, really short uh, YouTube videos, because I just found out that the new set, Brothers of Whatever, is going to be legal for the Pioneer tournament. It's going to be. And it's going to release on model on like Tuesday. So yeah, we have like three up, days or something. Yeah, we have like basically no days. So I usually kind of ignore previews until the cards are actually out, but I have kind of an interest this time, real interest. So I think I'm going to do a better job of going through the list every day. And I think what I'm going to try to do maybe is like pick one or two cards each day that stand out and make like maybe a five-minute YouTube video. I don't know. We'll see if I do it, but be on the well, lookout. What about you, Harry? First time Gav doing YouTube content. <laughs> I will be on NZD's Twitch live stream on Saturday to do some coverage. I will be on YouTube doing clickbait. I'm going to be, uh, Aspiring Spike and I did a collab for my News YouTube video. I'm going to try and get that out today. We'll see. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, as always, if you've made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for listening. Thank you again, Yendrik, for coming on, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, Thanks for having me. That thank you so much, Yendrik. And hope everyone has a great week. Uh, take care. <laughs>